By worshipping, adoring the Lord, who is the source of the whole creation, from whom all the activity is impelled, one who pervades everything, worshipping worshipping him by one's own action, meaning performing one's day-to-day activities in the spirit of worship. Siddhi Vinnati Manavaha, a human being gains Siddhi or success. But this is first level of success, in the, of the nature of the purification of mind. And then is to come the second level of success, and that is the abidance in the nature of one's own self. <coughs> in the beginning, in fact, we talked about three levels of sannyas or three levels of renunciations. First level of renunciation is karma yoga itself, performance of action in the spirit of yoga. <coughs> That's the first level of sannyasa. First level of renunciation, renunciation of our likes and dislikes, attachments and aversions. Then comes the renunciation of one's duty. And finally comes the renunciation of the sense of doership. These three levels of sannyasa is discussed. So first level of sannyasa, the renunciation from the impurities, so the impurities from likes and dislikes has been discussed. Now Lord Krishna proceeds to discuss the other sannyasa. The sannyasa characterized by, of course, giving up one's duty and gaining an abidance in one's own nature, gaining an abidance in the knowledge of self, meaning what we call the moksha or liberation. So this preparation is important. Before the pursuit of knowledge, the first is the performance of, first is Worship and second is pursuit of knowledge. When you, say, when you say karma or action, we should mean only worship of the Lord. Karma yoga means performing actions in the spirit of worship of the Lord. And so, uh, let us put it this way, the first stage is the worship of the Lord and second stage is the knowledge of the Lord. <coughs> so the worship has been discussed in the verses that we took until this morning. And now Lord Krishna from the verse 49 describes the second level of the life of contemplation, the life of activity followed by the life of contemplation. So these two lifestyles are talked about by Lord Krishna in several places in the Gita. Yogena Sankhyanam, Karma Yogena Yoginam. So first is Karma Yoga and second is Jnana Yoga. Karma Yoga is the life of activity. The Jnana Yoga is the life of contemplation. Even when it's a life of activity, we mean pursuit of knowledge through activity and then pursuit of knowledge through contemplation. All along it is the pursuit of knowledge alone, but then in order to get rid of very gross obstacles such as likes and dislikes, it is necessary to perform the action, performance duty in the spirit of worship. <coughs> and then when the mind becomes contemplative, then one can lead a life of contemplation. So this is what Lord Krishna describes in the verse 
49, begins to describe from the verse 49. Asatta buddhis sarvatra, asatta buddhis sarvatra, jitatma vigatas pruhaha, jitatma vigatas pruhaha, naishkarma siddhim paramaham, naishkarma siddhim paramaham, sanyasena dhigachade, sanyasena dhigachade. So what happens as a result of karma yoga? Lord Krishna said, Svakarmana tamabhyarja siddhim vindati manavaha. Worshipping the Lord through one's action, one attains success or siddhi. So there is a first level of success. Why is that success? That is described in the verse 49. <coughs> Asatta buddhihi sarvatra, the one whose mind is free from attachment everywhere. So being attached to the Lord, slowly and slowly the mind becomes free from other attachments. So when we say that the mind becomes free from attachment, we must accept that the mind always needs some attachment to the other. It is the nature of the mind to be attached to something. The trick is to release the mind from the attachment of the matter or attachment of those which in fact are creating the, the, the pairs of opposites like Raghavdvesas. So releasing the mind from the attachment to the sense pleasure and creating an attachment for for the self or for God. <coughs> That's what Karma Yoga does. You see, every time I am committed to perform an action in the spirit of worship, this morning we said that what we need to do is to invoke the devotee. So while performing an action, I invoke the devotee from within myself. It is devotee that performs action. So when action is performed by a devotee, it is an act of worship. Whatever a devotee does is worship. And that becomes a yoga. So in order for me to invoke the devotee from within me, it is necessary that my mind must be attached or thinking of God. And so the trick is to release my mind from attachment to the worldly things and creating an attachment for God. <coughs> so that is the end result is asakta buddhi sarvatra one who becomes free from attachment everywhere. Putra bharavishu, asakti nimitteshu, everywhere means from all worldly objects. Putra bharavishu, including even the son and wife, asakti nimitteshu, where asakti or attachment is something very natural. So the attachment comes where, to that which I look upon as a source of my happiness or source of my security. That is where the attachment comes. When I look upon someone or something as a source of happiness, source of comfort, source of security, then I want it. Well, basically what I am seeking is happiness and security. Since I do not find it in myself, or I think that it is not in myself, therefore I am all looking for happiness and security elsewhere. And looking for that in, into people, into things, into situations, and whatever therefore is looked upon by me, as a source of happiness or security. That is where my attachment is. So my attachment for myself results into my attachment for happiness. And my attachment for happiness results into my attachment to the source of happiness. It is not that I am attached to something for the sake of that something. Because it is looked upon as the source of happiness or source of security. <coughs> and of course, what happens is 
my estimate or my conclusion of what will give me happiness or security keeps on changing and that is the reason why the things or objects or people to whom I am attached also keeps on changing. But anyway, basically attachment is a product of a certain conclusion on my part. So my intellect concludes that that is where the happiness is, that is where security is, and then my mind gets attached to that. Therefore, to release my mind from attachment, or to make my mind see that, look, happiness is not there, security is not there, so what you look upon as a source of happiness or security, in fact, is not capable of giving you that. If my mind sees that, it will drop it. Mind is a very utilitarian thing and therefore it will drop that which is a source of unhappiness or a source of insecurity. Mind will never hold on to that. Asatta buddhi sarvatra and therefore one who has become free from attachment everywhere. Having recognized the nature of things as they are. So here is an objective mind who sees things for what they are. That the, the world consists of the people and things and beings, sentient and insentient. And it is fine as it is. The objects and the people of the world are meant in order to, I mean, to fulfill some of my needs. Basically, needs at the level of the body. To appease my hunger and thirst and protect me from heat and cold and rain, whatever these needs are there, for that the objects of the world are required. But recognizing that they cannot give me happiness or they cannot give me security, then my mind sees this. And also it is necessary to discover some happiness and security from within oneself. You see what happens is, intellectually I know Swamiji. I know that there is no happiness in the world. There is no security in the world. Intellectually I know, meaning that analytically I know. But emotionally I do not know. There is a habitual thing and there is an intellectual thing. There are two problems. One is an intellectual problem, wrong thinking. And second is wrong habit. So even when my thinking is correct after listening to Vedanta, that yes, what I am seeking is infinite happiness and objects of the world are all limited and no limited object can give me limitless that I am seeking and therefore what I am seeking is to found from myself and not from elsewhere, all of this is understood. But until I do discover some happiness from within myself, my mind does not become free from the habitual attachment to the world. After I know that I am suffering from diabetes and that this rasagulla is a poison for me, I know it. And still my mind craves for it. I have it. Why? In spite of knowing at one level, at some other level I do not know it. It is not an assimilated knowledge. And unless this knowledge becomes assimilated, the really happiness is not where I think it is. For that it is necessary to discover some happiness where it is. And happiness is within myself. It must become my experience that happiness is myself. And then alone the mind will really become free from its attachment from things other than myself. So this is what Karma Yoga does. This is what worship does. When I worship the Lord, then I get the grace of the Lord. And it is by the grace of the Lord that the purity of the mind comes. And that is where, as we have been saying, the happiness which is the nature of self becomes manifest, becomes evident. Happiness is my nature, no doubt about that, but at the moment it is somehow obstructed. Like the sun being obstructed by the clouds, and how it becomes necessary to remove the clouds to be able to appreciate the sunlight, and similarly also, 
happiness is myself and still it is obstructed by this attachment and aversion, raga and dvesha. Worshipping God. And who is God? One who pervades everything. One who is equal in all of them. So basically what Lord Krishna is asking us to do is to slowly shift our focus from all the differences to that which is common to all of them. So there are no doubt differences and variety and disparity at the level of personality there is no doubt about that. Just as every ornament is different from every ornament but still in all the ornaments there is something that is common and that is gold. And similarly also all the personalities are different but in all the personalities there is the same person. Same Narayana is there, same Lord is there, as I said, the same beauty and love and fairness is there everywhere and all the time attempting to shift the attention from the inequality to that which is equal. That is what we call God. And so, yena sarvamidam tadam, one by whom everything is pervaded. Like all the ornaments being pervaded by gold. And similarly also, the same order, the same beauty, the same love, the same harmony, pervades everything, meaning it is present everywhere. Even though it may not be very evident to me, as we were saying yesterday, how can I say that this person is God? Everybody is, how do you say this person is God? He is so cruel, he is so miserable. It may be so, but still, in the core of that person, there is the same beauty. This is basically what Vedanta tells us. The same beauty is there, the same harmony, beauty, order, fairness, love, is there everywhere. And that is the truth of everything. Even though we, have, we see cruelty, but cruelty is merely a distorted form of love. It is love alone that is there and nothing else is there. And whether we call it anger or whether we call it cruelty or whatever we call it, is nothing but the distortion of the same love, the distortion on account of ignorance. Not understanding what it is that I want. And therefore, I, I direct my attention to something else and that is how my love becomes distorted. So this recognition, this is Lord Krishna wants us to recognize this reality of life. Brahma Satyam Jagan Mitya. Brahma is Satyam, Brahma is truth, and Jagat, meaning the names and forms are Mitya, unreal, meaning that this personality is just a medium of manifestation of that person. The person and the personality, I am a union of the two. The personality is body, mind, sense, organ, complex. And in that, through that, this person of the consciousness, that Narayana is manifesting. Shifting the attention from the personality to the person, from inequality to equality, from disparity to that which is common to all of them. Let's go yoga. That's the yoga that we want. That's what karma yoga enables me to do. Because karma yoga requires me to perform my action in spirit of worship, meaning worship to, worship to that which is common, which is equal. When I am asked to see God everywhere, which means that, see that which is the binding factor, that which joins everything, that which is common thread to all inequalities. Like the thread which is there in the garland, every flower is different from every other flower, but still all the flowers are held in one harmony by the thread. How that thread supports all the flowers, and without that thread the flowers get scattered away, and we would not have all the harmony called the garland. Similarly also, understand that, in every flower, the same thread, asti, bhati, priyam, that sat, chit, ananda, there is a thread. So shifting attention from the name and form to asti, bhati, priyam, to sat, chit, ananda, to that which is common.
in karma yoga that is done through my action in jnana yoga that is finally done through the contemplation but that is all that we have to do you can start with your own self in yourself also the very core is brahman so brahman or god or narayana whatever name you take he is at the core of everything and that's the beauty which is at the core of everything and that alone is there is nothing else that's the ultimate thing right now we see the equality then we realize that there is no inequality that's the ultimate vision but to begin with equality in that which appears to be inequal so what is meant by detachment is detaching from the name and form what is meant by detachment given an ornament or given for example this pot what is meant by detachment the recognition that this pot is in fact clay and therefore being indifferent to the shape and the color form of the pot and being conscious or being being uh, attached to or recognizing that this pot is really clay shifting the attention from the form to the content so therefore detachment from wife and children and wealth and possession doesn't mean that i have any hatred for them recognition that all of them are narayana all of them are narayana and therefore my attachment is to the narayana who is in all of them and therefore for ultimately the wife is no more wife but it is narayana manifesting as such and wife and children whatever it is all of these are ultimately to be recognized as narayana but in the process of recognition i become detached from them meaning that i become non detachment means a non demanding relationship being objective recognizing them for what they are as swami says look this is not only your wife she is a woman also and so shifting from wife to the woman from woman to human being from human being to narayana you know this is how go to the fundamentals to the extent that i go to the fundamental to that extent i become detached from the outer uh, form in short recognizing that happiness is within myself and that the things and beings of the world are what they are but they are not source of happiness or security and therefore relating to them not with a relationship of demanding happiness and security from them but relating to them in an objective manner for what they are this when i relate to a person not as a source of happiness or security or a source of unhappiness and insecurity that is when i do not look upon something either as an source of pleasure or pain then my relationship is called a relationship of detachment very often detachment is misunderstood as aversion as dislike no detachment means a dispassion freedom from the raga and dvesha freedom from any demands you see then alone that will not distract my mind if my mind is related to anything with attachment and aversion that is i cannot do without something meaning discovering freedom what is meant by detachment is discovering an emotional freedom from them from wife to the wife and children i just given as example those which are very close and with whom one will have that attachment even discovering an emotional freedom from them also emotional freedom doesn't mean again any kind of hatred just discovering emotional freedom that i do not i do not look upon them as sources of uh, support emotional support <clears throat> physical support is all right at a physical level we are interdependent and there were i have hunger and thirst are there and somebody will give me food and so forth that is okay 
Let us say the relationship of love rather than a relationship of demand. There's no dependence. So then I become free from my relationship of dependence upon other things. That is when really the love becomes pure. To the extent that I become non-demanding, to the extent my relationship becomes a healthy relationship. In short, establishing a healthy relationship with the things around me. In that case, they will not become a source of distraction. What we want is our mind free from distraction. Then alone the mind can contemplate upon the self. So contemplating mind requires, and I require an ability to be able to focus my mind where I want. If I want to think about Brahman, Asti Bhavi Priyam, then I must be able to detach myself from the name and form. So that is called Asakta Buddhi Sarvatraya. <coughs> which means a mind that enjoys dispassion, mind that enjoys freedom from attachment and aversion, mind that enjoys freedom from demands, mind that enjoys a healthy relationship with the things and beings around. And therefore, they do not either worry him, nor do the soul, there is no raga, no dvesha, and therefore, mind remains free from distraction. <coughs> Otherwise, if I am attached to something, they also distract my mind. If I have an aversion for something, that also distracts my mind. And I can release my mind from thinking of something when my mind is free from attachment and aversion. Free from demand. Asakta buddhi sarvatra jitatma one who has the mastery over oneself. Master, again, same thing. So, having mastery over oneself. So what is it because of which I don't have mastery over myself? So my mind can be in control of two things. Either the mind is controlled by Ragadvesha, the attachment and aversion, or my mind is controlled by myself. When my mind is controlled by attachment and aversion, Ragadveshas, well, it is not in my control. And thus, to the extent that the mind is released from the Ragadveshas, to that extent, it becomes a quiet mind, becomes tranquil, it becomes favorable to me. What is meant by master of the mind is when the mind becomes my friend, when the mind becomes favorable to me. Today I want to repeat Sri Ram, Jai Ram, Jai Ram, my wants to do something else. I want to study and mind as some other agenda. So I have one agenda and mind is another agenda. And very often the agendas don't match with each other. Like, you know, parents have one agenda, the children have another agenda. So parents say, going for vacation, my son, will you join us? No, dad. After fourteen, you know, we don't expect that, you know, so they have their own agenda. Or when you visit to somebody also, they go someplace else, you know, where? Because they have their own friends and things to do, naturally. That's an example. Similarly, my mind is an agenda of its own. It has its own concerns, its own worries, anxieties, and therefore I want to go someplace, my mind goes somewhere else. I am sitting here, but mind may be someplace else. So, as the mind becomes free from these anxieties and concerns, becoming free from the ragadveshas, attachment, aversion, then mind becomes composed. It becomes self-assured. It becomes free from anxieties. It becomes composed, available to me. And therefore, when it's a mastery of the mind, meaning that the mind has become my friend. Mind has become favorable to me. It is so important to gain the favorableness of our own personality. Atmaya hyatmana bandhu, atmaya ripuhu atmana Our own personality is our friend, 
and your own personality can be your enemy. So one who has made his personality his friend. Vigatas Pruhaha One who is free from longing, the spruha. Spruha is that thing, you see, that, that longing, it wants always more. I get one candy, can I have another one? Give me two candies, may I have yet another one? That is called spruha, that's called longing. Just as in a fire, if you throw some wood in there, a firewood, then the fire wants more of it, and more of it, and more of it. Similarly also the mind which has the spruha, the longing, Give you some happiness, it wants more. Some happiness, it wants more. And therefore, the mind always longs for something. Again arising from its own sense of inadequacy inside. So it is necessary to discover some adequacy within myself, some satisfaction within myself. So if you say the knowledge that I am ananda or I am happiness or fullness is possible when the mind is discovered at least relative happiness. That I am silent, that knowledge is possible when the mind is discovered, silence, relative silence. So this is what Karma Yoga helps us do, discover an inner silence, discover an inner happiness or cheerfulness. And therefore, Vigatasprohaha. The reason why there is a longing for the objects outside is because I am just begging for happiness. I am begging for security, I am begging for emotional support. Vigatasprohaha. Having discovered those things from within oneself, he becomes free from the longing from outside, longing from the sense objects. So this is what happens by karma yoga. This is what we call antahatanasuddhi or purification of mind. What is meant by purity of mind? That is what is described in the first line. Now the person is ready for the second stage. What's the second stage? The contemplation upon the self. Going to the teacher. And listening to the to the scriptures, listening to the Upanishad. That is called Shravanam. Now it is now there is a stage when a stage has come when one should do what we call vichara or an inquiry into the nature of the self. Inquiry into these fundamental questions. Who am I? What's the nature of God? What's the reality of this world? What is bondage? What is liberation? What is Kona Mandaha? Kathameshagadaha? Katham pradishthasya, katham vimoksha. What's the nature, what is meant by bondage? What's the nature of bondage? Kathamesha agadaha, how has it come? Katham pradishthasya, how come it keeps on, you know, perpetuating? Katham vimoksha, how to get liberated from this bondage? Kosav anatma, what's the nature of the non-self? Paramahkatma, what's the nature of the self? Paramatma. And how to separate the self from the non-self? Please tell me. When these questions arise, know that you are ready. So as we have been saying all along, as long as my mind is an influence of Ragadvesha, the world becomes a, a place of enjoyment. The mind is seeking pleasure. When mind becomes separate, the very same world now invokes into me the desire to know. The very same thing. Same apple falling. For a Newton, it just, you know, it creates an this inquiry. Why did it fall? Why did it come down? For someone else, it may be another, you know, the same phenomenon we invoke, another kind of response. Hey, this apple has fallen down. 
is it, it must be ripe apple because it has fallen down and so on. Let us see how does it taste. So bhoga. Gnanitsa, desire to know when the mind is sattvic. Desire to enjoy when the mind is same object. Invokes different response. And the fellow is tamas, it's fallen, let it be there. You know, indifference. Things are what they are. But how we respond depends upon our own mind. So as a result of karma yoga, as a result of all the time subduing my attachment and aversion, and all the time establishing the spirit of worship, the spirit of offering, the self-centeredness is subdued, and the mind becomes more and more large-hearted, becomes sattvic, and then the desire for knowledge. Then how to satisfy the desire for knowledge? By pursuing the knowledge. What is meant by pursuing knowledge? By performing an inquiry into what's the nature of self? What's the nature of Brahman? By study of the scriptures. But how do we study the scriptures? Not by one's own self, but through the teacher. So it is necessary to go to the teacher. Only because the subject matter is myself, otherwise I don't need even a teacher. Perhaps, you know, when it comes to studying the objective sciences, it is conceivable that you may be able to do it yourself. When it comes to the science of the self, you require the help of someone. Because when it comes to the objects, my mind is open. In the sense that I have no, I have no conclusions or no notions about what is what and therefore inquire into this flower, fine, I don't have any preconceived notion about it and so therefore I am objective. So what is requiring an objective mind with reference to any inquiry? But I am not objective with reference to myself because I already have many conclusions about myself. And therefore it is necessary to create an objectivity with my own self. Meaning the ability to create a distance with my own ahankara. Distance with my own conclusions. Create a distance. How do you create a distance? By de-identifying from ahankara, identifying with something else. Identifying with the scriptures. How do I identify with the scriptures? Through the agency of the teacher. So that is where the relationship that one has with the teacher. If it's a healthy relationship, or whatever Shraddha and Bhakti, the devotion and trust. If there is trust in the teacher, and I have devotion in my heart for the teacher, then I have no difficulty in identifying with the teacher. And then I can look at my own, my own conclusions from the standpoint of the teacher. So this is what is meant by Shravanam, listening to the scriptures. They don't, instead of using the word vichara, what it is vichara? Vichara means inquiry. But inquiry performed in a certain way. Inquiry perform our own self by being objective about myself. How do I become objective about my own self? About my own conclusions? About my own complexes? All kinds of complexes I have, how do I become objective about them? By identifying with the teacher. Who is in turn identified with scriptures, which in turn is identified with God. So ultimately identifying with God, but through these agencies. That is why Shravanam, Atmavara Drashtavya, Shrutavya, Mantavya, Dhyasdavya. Kemaitrahi, Atmavara Drashtavya, Atma the self must be seen, must be known clearly. How do I know the self clearly? Shotavya. We must listen to the self from the competent teacher. 
and that requires me to go to the teacher. That would be Pranipadena, very Prashnina Sevaya, Obadekshanide Jnanam, Jnanina Sattva Darshana. The fourth chapter, Lord Krishna said, approach his teachers and offer long prostration. That means that submit yourself and that may place yourself at that disposal. Sevaya, and tune up with them by serving them. Pariprasnena, and when the right time comes, when right tuning up has happened, then ask the right questions. Opadekshandite jnanam, they will definitely impart the knowledge to you. And this establishing that relationship with the teacher and listening to scriptures from the teacher. So when it is shravanam listening, meaning that an inquiry or deliberation is being performed upon the nature of the self. What is the nature of myself? What's the nature of the world? What's the nature of God? So these are the basic subjects the, of inquiry and for that one should go to the teacher. In those days, going to the teacher required me to leave the home. Not today, but those days it required that way. Because teachers would live someplace in the forest, someplace far away. And also, apart from leaving home, you know, what the idea is that the mind should become free from all other, all other demands and all other occupations. And a great occupation is this duty. See, the first step is to perform the duty, but ultimately a time should come when I should also give up that duty. So this, this duty, that very spirit of duty helped me to grow. But when it has done its job, then that very duty becomes a distraction and never I must become free from that also. That is, when I want to cross the river, well, I need the boat. Having reached other bank, then I don't have to carry that boat on my head, I leave the boat there. When there is a fracture in my leg, I require the crutches. How long do I require? Until I discover the strength in my legs. And then when I can walk on my own, you know, with my own strength, I don't need the crutches, they become, you know, they're in distraction. So you drop them. Similarly also this very duty which was performed in the spirit of worship, which helped me to grow, the duty also has to be given up for the next stage because duty is a certain demand that is placed upon me and my mind always is concerned about having to do this, having to do that. There is a demand on me. This is my duty. As long as I am staying in the home, as long as I am in a certain setup, so long I am supported by the setup and I must also return the favor. There is a mutual support. And therefore, going away from the setup to no setup. Another setup, the teacher student setup. In short, becoming free from duty. Because it's a distraction. So only when the duty becomes distraction, then no it should be given up. As long as duty is helpful, so long it should be done. And when it becomes a distraction, so that is called the sanya, karma sannyasa, renunciation of one's duties. A deliberate renunciation of one's duties. Should commit it into a, a natural renunciation. But in the beginning, you become renunciate by will. And then you become renunciate spontaneously. So first, deliberation. And then spontaneity, this is the idea. So therefore, first you deliberately renounce your duties and renounce all your claims. When duty is a responsibility, duty means responsibility. You renounce your responsibility and at the same time you renounce your claims also. 
So when you claim something, you are responsible. If you want to give up your responsibility, also give up your claims. That is called like karma sannyasi. In, our, in earlier classes we said, it is called vividisha sannyasi. Irinansir, who has assumed this mode of life for the purpose of pursuing knowledge. <coughs> so Lord Krishna says, second line, Nish karma siddhim paramam sannyasena adhigachyati. Sannyasena through renunciation. So having acquired the qualification stated in the first line, now one is ready to give up the duty and graduate into the next stage. Sannyasa. So one meaning of sannyasa is the first level of sannyasa of, I mean, the renunciation of action. That means leaving home, assuming, now taking up a life of a renunciate. He was a renunciate formally as a karma yogi, but now he becomes a renunciate in a formal way by assuming the life of a renunciate. Saving of his head, his tuft, sacred thread, all of these which were the marks of a karma yogi, all of these are given up. Leaves all his, in Swamiji's words, burns all his boats and goes to the teacher. <coughs> Sanyasena. So word sannyasa will have then two meanings. The first meaning is sannyasa means a lifestyle. Renunciation by deliberation, by will. And then sannyasena, that will culminate into what we call vidvat sannyasa or the sannyasa by virtue of knowledge. When it becomes spontaneously sannyasa. What is that? Naishkarma siddhim. Naishkarma siddhim. Who is naishkarme? Karma means action. Naishkarme, freedom from action. Oh, freedom from duty. Which comes by recognition that the self is actionless. See, when I, when I say that I am doing something, it is really a notion. Because I does not do anything, I or the self is actionless. The actions all perform at the level of personality, the level of mind and intellect. And those are superimposed upon the self, and thus I am entertaining a wrong notion that I am performing action. So that's why the responsibility. Discovering the true nature of the self, that the self is actionless. It is in the presence of self that all the actions are being performed. So that knowledge, an abundance of knowledge of the self is called Nishkarma Siddhi. Nishkarma. Nishkarma and Tasyabhavaha Nishkarmyam. Nishkarma means what? Freedom from action or actionless. And this, the state of that is the actionlessness. Abidance in the knowledge of the self that is actionless is called Nishkarma Siddhi. <coughs> Meaning abiding in the knowledge of the true nature of oneself. Adhigachadi. Paramam Siddhimadhigachari. There are two Siddhis. By Karma Yoga also one gains perfection, the lower level of perfection. And this is the ultimate level of perfection, Paramam. The most exalted accomplishment, accomplishment, that is the accomplishment of abidance in one's own self. <coughs> Let me just write down here, just for the sake of clarity, what it is that we have discussed a number of times earlier. But again, I'll just write down here so that 
you become clear as to what you are talking about. No, you understand how this happens. Although I am shifting the attention from the unequal to equal. Wherever I perceive the inequality, there is going to be preferences and otherwise. So when I shift the attention from the unequal to equal, that's how the attachment aversions go down. Because everything is different. If I only relate to the level of the differences, I'm going to like something and I'm going to dislike something. Something will judge as a source of happiness, something else is a source of unhappiness, and therefore there's going to be likes and dislikes. The only way to become free from these likes and dislikes is to shift the attention to that which is common. That is God. And therefore my commitment to worshipping God, who is the, the one that sustains all the duality of differences, so that, that is how helps me to become free from the likes and dislikes. And this you have heard a number of times. How I perform the actions, not as motivated by my likes and dislikes, I perform the action as motivated by the sense of duty, sense of worship. <coughs> and there is a constant subduing of these passions of raga and dvesha, attachment and aversion. That is a very important level, and that is what is described in the first line there. Asatta buddhi sarvatra jitatma vigatasprakha. Then the second level is called what is vividisha? Vividisha means the desire to know. Sensation that is taken to fulfill the desire to know is called vividisha sannyasa. <coughs> then deliberately, by vidhi, by certain, by certain ritual that you go through, and this becomes renunciation of duty. And therefore, renunciation in the form. This style of renunciate, go to the teacher. And then, submit to the teacher and uh, make yourself available for what you call vicharaha. Vichara. Vichara means an inquiry into the nature of self, deliberation upon the nature of the self. And for that, you go to the teacher. So understand, sannyasa means going to sannyasa means pursuit of knowledge. It is not that one renounces duty as a luxury. Duty is renounced to do something more important, something more subtle. And that is the vichara, which is in the form of shravanam, mananam, nimbhyasanam. This is what this sannyasi does. He also does something. He also performs action of this nature, Sharanam, Mananam, Nidhyasana. So he is dedicated to this. And that is what now Lord Krishna will describe. He will dis- Lord Krishna will describe this Vividisha Sanyasa. What does he do? So we assume that he has gone to the teacher. We assume that, even though he is not specifically stated, we assume that he has taken a Sanyasa like announcing his duties. He has gone to the teacher, listening to the scriptures. Reflecting upon them, meditating upon them. Why Sharanam Manam Nidhyasana? Because understand that here, this whole process is merely removing obstacles, nothing else. Even knowing the self is not that I have to know the self that I do not know. 
This knowledge must be also right. Understanding also must be clear about what is meant by self-knowledge. Not like knowledge of something that conventionally, I know something meaning, I did not know it, and now I know it. Something unknown comes to be known, this is what we call knowledge. But that's not the case with self. Not even case with God. That self or God are already known to me. Except that they are known wrongly. If the Atma self was never known to me, we would have been blissful. If God was never known to us, there would be no problem in life. Because only when something is known, then alone it can become the object of superimposing, object of confusion, or object of misapprehension. When I am walking along, there is a piece of rope lying on the roadside. If in a pitch darkness, or I don't see the rope at all, for whatever reason, I am never going to take it, mistake it to be snake. If I know the rope is a rope, then also there is no problem. I see the rope and do not recognize it as rope. That is when the possibility of taking it as snake comes. So when I see a snake, there is not that I do not know the rope at all. I know the rope itself as snake, meaning I know the rope wrongly, and therefore I have to correct my knowledge. Similarly also, it is not that I do not know myself. I know myself, but know myself wrongly. This is what we call the misapprehension or false knowledge of Viparita Jnanam, the wrong knowledge I have, because there is a mixing of the two, the self and the non-self. So I know the Atma as self, but Anatma also is taken as self. Two things are taken as self. Satchidananda is self. At the same time, the body also is taken to be self. So what is not self is also taken by me to be the self. And that's the reason why there are all these complexes about myself. That I take myself to a mortal being, take myself to an ignorant being, I take myself to be an unhappy person, take myself to be limited. Whereas none of these things are in the self, all of these are in the personality, in the body-mind complex, and therefore separation of the self from non-self. Recognizing that all the limitations belong to the non-self, and therefore this conclusion on my part that I am a limited being arises on account of taking what is not I to be I. Taking myself to a mortal being subject to death is because the body which is mortal is taken to be self. Taking myself is limited because my mind which is limited is taken to be myself. Therefore, I conclude that I am a limited being. And thus, about the self, all these complexes or wrong conclusions or judgments are there. And therefore, just letting go of these judgments, letting go of this conclusion or complexes, such that my knowledge becomes free from these complexes or free from this false notion is called self-knowledge. Thus I keep on knowing myself better and better. See, it is a process. It is not that I did not know the self and someday I realize the self. It is not so. As the notions keep on dropping, my knowledge or understanding of myself becomes clearer and clearer and clearer. Ultimately, becomes complete. So understand that all along it is the process of removing obstacles. Not acquiring something new, not acquiring the knowledge which was not there, but in the knowledge which is there, getting rid of all that is the false the false element, you know, false aspect is we just let go. So all along therefore Vedanta teaches us the let go. That's called renunciation. So renunciation nothing but letting go. 
Letting go of what? Of that which has arisen from ignorance. So letting go of false notions. Even attachment and aversion also are due to the wrong estimate of the object. Let go. So first step is letting go of this attachment and aversion. Second step is letting go of all these notions born of ignorance. How do I know their notions? That is why Sarvanam, listening to scriptures is required. And thus, uh, scripture says, Tattvamasi, you are Brahman. You are, com- you are the whole and complete being. How? When this is unfolded, I can see how I am entertaining various notions for which I have no reason to have them. So as I discover the falsehood of my conclusions, the conclusions drop. And thus, my knowledge of myself becomes clearer and clearer and clearer. The example was given, example of a Polaroid picture. With a Polaroid camera, you take a picture. The Swami sitting in the chair, take a picture, pull out from the camera. Are these Polaroid cameras there these days? Is that there? Okay. I don't see anybody having them. I remember thirty years ago, whenever it was very exciting, you know, that's when they had started, I guess, whatever. But those days to take two minutes. Now it must be taking much shorter time, I guess. But anyway, you pull out the, you know, the ca- whatever, the cartridge, you know, from the camera and look at it. You don't see anything to begin with. And slowly, then the vague outlines, they start appearing and slowly and slowly the outlines become clearer and then the features start becoming clearer and then all the details start becoming clearer. In course of two minutes, the whole picture is clear with all the details. So when you see the first outline, what do you see? Hey, this Swami is sitting on the chair. That much you can say. Although all things are not clear. Now you can see the eyes. Now I can see the lips. Oh, I can see the nose. I can see this. Things are clearer and clearer and clearer. Understand that knowledge does not change. The first, even when I saw the outline, was the knowledge? Swami sitting in the chair. When it becomes totally clear, what's the knowledge? Swami sitting in the chair. Except that, the knowledge becomes clearer and clearer progressively. And thus, this is the process of gaining clarity. First through the Karma Yoga, then through the process of Sharvanam, Mananam, Vidhyasana. Removal of ignorance, removal of the doubts. The Sharvanam that removes the ignorance. Three obstacles, and therefore the three means. So this is what Evilisha Sanyasi does. Sharvanam, Mananam, Nidhyasana. And he, if he requires to cultivate some qualities like Shamadi Shatka Sampati, Shamanadamuparama, he works, he refines. So he also works in refining his mind, refining that purification process, refining the Vairagya, Viveka Vairagya, at the same time subjecting himself to this process of Sharvanam, Mananam, Nidhyasana. This is how. The second stage of sannyasa comes. And that's what Lord Krishna talks about in the next verse. So what is Naishkarma Siddhi? Ultimately Naishkarma Siddhi is gaining an abidance in the knowledge of the self, which is Nishkarma, which is actionless. 
So the verse 50, Lord Krishna says, Siddhim prapto yatha brahma, Siddhim prapto yatha brahma, Tathatnoti nibodhami, Tathatnoti nibodhami, Samase naiva kaunteya, Samase naiva kaunteya, Nishtha jnanasya yapara, Nishtha jnanasya yapara, Siddhim praptaha, one who attained a Siddhi, one who attained a success. The first level of success, that is what we call Karma Yoga. The first level of success, the freedom from likes and dislikes to a large extent. See, total freedom from likes and dislikes comes only when one gains subordinance and knowledge, but then freedom from likes and dislikes in a large measure. So when one has gained that kind of Siddhi or accomplishment, Thus, a karma yogi who has gained the accomplishment of gaining freedom from likes and dislikes to a large extent, yatha brahma the, the process by which he gains now the ultimate siddhi of attainment in, of abidance in Brahman, tatha nibodhame, here Juna, now learn from me the process by which this person who has gained the purity of the mind gains now a, an abidance in his knowledge of the self. Samasena evakauntya nishtha jnanasyapara Samasena, in brief. Lord Krishna is going to say in brief. Ya nishtha, ya nishtha jnanasyapara nishtha. So that which is the ultimate abidance in knowledge. So listen to me the process by which one becomes sthita prajna, one becomes a man or person of abiding knowledge. So what we want is spontaneous knowledge. I am Brahman. That's a knowledge even on the first day. That's what the teacher teaches. You are Brahman. It takes two, three days, you know, to come to this point. And that, that's all that goes on eh, day in and day out. But then, what is the possibility in the beginning? Then a glimpse sometime later becomes in a, a spontaneous reality eh, that I am Brahman. So when it becomes a spontaneous reality, then I have nothing to do further. Nishtha jnanasya para. That's the para jnanasya para nishtha. That's the culmination of avoidance and knowledge, the spontaneity of the knowledge. Having attained which, nothing remains to be done. It's <coughs> called nishtha. Nitaram sthiti nishtha. An abidance. An effortless abidance is called nishtha. An effortless abidance in the knowledge of myself that I am Brahman. So that I am Brahman becomes a reality for me, an effortless reality for me. That is called the Nishtha. So how one attains the state of being Siddha Prajna, being man of abiding in knowledge. So from Karma Yoga, the Siddhi that one has gained, how does one gain that ultimate Siddhi? Listen to me, that process in brief. Listen to me, listen from me, that process in brief. That's how Lord Krishna makes a proposition in the verse 58 and in the subsequent verses then he starts describing that process which will continue. <coughs> Om Puramada Puramidam Puramad Puramudachare Purnasya Puramadaya Purameva Vashishyade Om Shanti 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 Shanti
शंकरं शंकराचार्यं केशवं वादरायणं सूत्रभाष्यकृतौ वन्दे भगवन्तौ पुनः पुनः ईश्वरो गुरुरात्मेदे मूर्तिभेद विभागिने व्योमवद्व्याप्तदेहाय दक्षिणामूर्त नमः ओम शांति 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 हरि ओम श्री गुरुभ्यो नमः